Take your Bibles this morning, if you would, and turn with me to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. 1 Kings, chapter 19. When we come into the life of Elijah, he has just come down from a confrontation with 450 prophets of Baal. He uh, asked them to make a sacrifice and ask, ask their gods to, to come down and take the sacrifice. Nothing happened. He built an altar, dug a trench, poured water all over the whole thing just to show that, uh, that the power of his God, he had great confidence in God or he wouldn't have done it that way. And uh, he prayed a very, very short prayer. It really wasn't very long at all. And uh, God came down in fire, licked up the offering, uh, licked, you know, just, just took it all. Then he, he, went over to the, he went over to where the prophets were and he slew the 450 prophets of Baal. I mean, you look at that thing. Uh, what an accomplishment that God did through his, his, uh, through his man, through, through uh, the prophet Elijah. And yet, if you were, you know, if you if you didn't know the narrative, you didn't uh, didn't uh, know what happened next. If if I gave you chapter 18 totally apart from chapter 19 and vice versa, uh, you'd say, "Man, those are those." I tell you what, that guy in 19 is nothing like the guy in uh, 18. Well, I got news; it's the same guy. <laughs> it's the same guy. And, you know, one of the things that it, that it has shown to me is no matter, no matter how strong you might be, no matter how much God might use you, as, as human beings, we're extremely vulnerable. Uh, you know, I look at a guy like Elijah, and Elijah was a godly man. He loved the Lord, but, uh, but he struggled with some things. And so, so understand that, you know, you and I are going to struggle too. And we need to know how, how to look at those things when we struggle and what our attitudes need to be. And so, therefore, we're going to be looking at, at uh, 1 Kings chapter, chapter 19 this morning. And uh, I've entitled the message, What Do You Expect? What do you expect? Let's all stand together, if you would. And if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, allow them to look on with you. We're going to read verses 1 through 9, pray and get right into it this morning. It says, and Ahab told Jezebel, now this is after all the victory and everything that happened, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now understand, she said that, under the pretense of the gods, the gods that couldn't even come down and take an offering, the gods that couldn't even, even protect the 450 prophets of Baal against one man. Uh, she's saying, by those gods, uh, one of us is going to be dead tomorrow, and it's going to be you. And verse 3, it says, and, and when, when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, 
and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, that an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head and he did eat and drink and laid him down again and the angel of the lord came again the second time and touched him and said arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee and he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto horeb the mount of god and he came thither unto a cave and lodged there and behold the word of the lord came to him and he said unto him what doest thou hear elijah let's bow our heads for prayer father we're thankful for your word and we ask god that we would have hearts that are open to it today we ask lord that you would show us some things not just in the book but through the book in your spirit may you show us some things that may be present in our own life such that, uh, Lord, you might bend down and whisper in our ears, what doest thou here? What in the world are you doing in the wilderness when uh, I've taken such good care of you? The truth of the matter is, Lord, you have taken good care of us as your people. And some of us have been through some more things than others, but, but uh, regardless, uh, you've walked You've walked with us, you've empowered us, you've strengthened us, you've provided for us. We've seen it over and over and over again. Help us, God, to, to just look this morning to our God who is strong, to our God who is faithful, to our God who is true. And we ask, Lord, that you would have your will and your way in this message and in our hearts. Speak to hearts. Lord, again, as, as uh, Mr. Corey said just a, a few moments ago, if there's anyone here without Christ as Savior, this won't be necessarily specifically a salvation message, but if there's anyone within the sound of my voice that does not know for sure their sins are forgiven, does not know for sure that uh, they're on their way to heaven, God, I pray that today would be the day that they repent and trust and believe on Jesus Christ as their Savior and get that salvation that's so full and free. Bless this time together. We pray you speak to our hearts as you do. May we say yes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. You look at, at chapter 18 and you see Elijah the victor. Uh, again, beat, you know, beat 450 prophets of Baal, slew them, uh, saw God answer his prayer, and not only lick up the sacrifice, but also lick up the water and overcome great obstacles. And But then you transition down to chapter 19, and now we're not looking at Elijah the victor anymore. We're looking at Elijah the victim. And uh, he, he's, he's, uh, he's running from, uh, from Jezebel. He's running from the problems and the situations at hand. He's not listening to God. Uh, God has not told him to go where he went. 
And uh, he's sitting under a, under a juniper tree and then just says, Lord, why don't you just kill me? Why don't you? I just want to die. Now, that, what, that, that doesn't look anything like the person in the previous chapter. And, and uh, yes, there are a lot of factors that, in, that are involved to get him from, from one state of mind to the other. But understand, this happened quite quickly. I mean, it, we're not talking about something that took, took a days, weeks, months, and years to, to switch from one to the other. I mean, like somebody flipped the switch when he got that note and said, whoa, uh, and fear grabbed a hold of him, and anxiety grabbed a hold of him, and, uh, and he allowed all those things to happen. Uh, there are a lot of, of factors. There are, there are physical factors. There were circumstantial factors. There was emotional. There was spiritual exhaustion and physical exhaustion. Um, he, you know, it, it took some effort to get those sacrifices ready, to build that altar, to lug those barrels of water. It took some effort to run to where he, he went afterwards. And, and uh, so all those things are, are, are definitely factors. But can I tell you what I think the biggest, one of the, probably the biggest factor in the whole situation was, was that Elijah had some, some uh, uh, unfulfilled expectations. Uh, his, his thought was, you hit the enemy hard, you hit the enemy fast, you defeat the enemy, you're victor, your problems are over. Well, he found out that wasn't the case. <laughs> His problems weren't all over. And sometimes we, have, we go from problem to problem to problem to problem. Sometimes there's not much of a break. I, I realize with, with everybody, you know, that our lives are all different and and God knows that and has the strength and has the grace. I believe that there was everything, all the resources of God were as much at, at Elijah's disposal in chapter 19 as they were in chapter 18. In chapter 18, he partook of them. In chapter 19, he turned his back on them and, uh, and ended up in a, in a place of despondency to to such, to such an extent that uh, God whispers into his ear and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? You ever been there? You ever been in a situation where if God could speak audibly, and he won't, but if he could, outside of the word of God, he'd whisper into your ear and say, What in the world are you doing in this place? What are you doing with this anxiety? What are you doing with this fear? Now, there have been a lot of reasons to have those kind of things, particularly over, over this last year. I get, a, I get a kick out of the number. I've never seen so many jokes or, or wailings and moanings, I guess is a lot of what it is too, uh, about, uh, about, about, about a, a particular year that I've ever gone through. Uh, you know, 2020, that's the year of the plague, and it's going to go down forever as the year of the plague. And yes, there's, there's been a lot of problems, and there's been a lot of, you know, every time you turn around, it seems like the rules are changing. I understand that. We've gone over and over and over that. But can I tell you what the biggest, biggest factor is? The biggest factor and problem is unfulfilled expectations. Um, 
you know, Elijah expected that uh, there'd be no opposition after Mount Carmel. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? The enemy never quits. The enemy never quits. Uh, Chris, yes, Christians, sometimes we throw up our hands, but the enemy doesn't. The Bible says that, the, uh, that Satan is like a, a roaring lion walking to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. He couldn't devour Elijah in chapter 18, but he was nibbling on him in chapter 19. Why, why is that? Well, because he, he thought the battle was over. Listen, as long as your feet are still planted on terra firma, the battle's not over yet. Amen? Uh, and, it, and, it, and, it, you know, we, we, and we make stupid, I, I've done it myself, made stupid statements over and over again like, well, I'll tell you what, I can't take anymore. And what happens? Well, you have to take some more because some more gets dished out. Part of that, you know, we say, well, what's the Lord doing? Have you ever thought, maybe it's the enemy? You know, if you do, if you do something right, do you really think he's going to sit there and say, oh, well, <laughs> I guess I can't defeat that guy. Do you notice that the enemy never has that attitude? Never has that attitude. It just keeps hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting. Now, listen, as he does so, God's always got the grace. God's always got the strength. God's always got the mercy. It's there. It's there. You don't have it. You know, that, 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 uh, uh, that uh, uh, verse and admonition that Jesus gave his disciples over in John 15 where he says, Without me, ye can do nothing. I'm, I'm convinced we get these kind of, you know, one whack after another, after another, after another. So that, so that we see, hey, you know what? You, you can be pretty helpless at times. I can be pretty helpless at times. Uh, oh, with, without him, we can do nothing. But the reverse is also true. With, with God, all things are possible. And with God, you can get through the, 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 the situations and the difficulty. Um, watch out for your blind side, because that's where Satan likes to hit you. And he, he takes us unawares. And, uh, and uh, he, he hits us when we're not looking. Uh, and, and what Elijah did is he took his focus off of the God who delivered him in chapter 18 and put it on the queen who said, you're going to be a dead man tomorrow. And he focused on that and he thought on that and it, it drove him to despondency. It, it drove him to the point where he actually prayed and asked God, God, why don't you just, why don't you just kill me? So what, is it, what are some of the things that took place inside of the heart and life of Elijah? What, took, what caused him to go, and I believe it was a pretty quick transition, uh, what caused him to go from 18 to 19? What caused him to go from, from uh, victor to, to victim? Well, let's, let's look at some possibilities. First of all, he lost, he lost his, his sense of purpose. His purpose was to take a stand. His purpose was to be a prophet. His purpose was to give forth truth, and he did so. I mean, when he was on that mount, over in, in chapter 18, and he was talking back and forth with uh, the prophets of Baal. 
He was mocking their gods. And, and he was saying, well, maybe he's asleep. Well, maybe he went on a journey. Well, uh, you know, may, maybe, maybe he's, he's taking a vacation. Maybe that's why you can't get a hold of him. Uh, if it was uh, today, if today, maybe he forgot his cell phone, you know. Uh, but but uh, he was, I mean, he was making a mockery of the whole thing, uh, of, of their God, not, not, not of his, but of theirs, and then showed them what, what his God was capable of. And, uh, and of course, you, you know the rest of the story. The, everything got licked up and took the sacrifice, and he went and killed 450 prophets of Baal. But we get to chapter 19, and a woman says uh, by, what does she say? Down there in verse uh, 2, she says, So let the gods do to me a more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So let my gods get me if I don't get you. Well, that's no real threat because it, it, her gods couldn't even take a sacrifice. Uh, they showed themselves impotent uh, in, in the lives of the prophets. And yet he forgot that, though he just came out of the victory. He forgot the victory, and he forgot the God who got him through it, and he just focused on the problem. Sometimes, you know, we, we have to be so careful. Uh, when, when problems hit us in the face, uh, it's, it's real easy to just see nothing but the problem. And one of the reasons why we do that is because sometimes we just forget why we're here. Uh, he, was, he was here for a purpose, and his purpose was to take a stand for God. Now keep your finger here and go with me over to the book of Ephesians. It's really no different Then the calling that's on your life, if you're if you're a child of God, if you're called, if you're a, a child of God, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, you know your sins are forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. You are called to take a stand, just like Elijah did. Now the circumstances may be different, but you still need to stand for God. Ephesians chapter six, verses ten through thirteen. Finally, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. In other words, what you see is not the enemy. There's an enemy behind what you see. And it's not the circumstances, and it's not the personages and the people. It's not, it's not the, the, uh, uh, the situations that you're in. There is something else going on behind the scenes. And uh, it's a spiritual battle. And because it's a spiritual battle, we have to be ready. And we, ha we have to stand. That is our job that we stand uh, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may able, be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Then you go on down there through there, and it talks about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, your shoes uh, shod with the, gospel, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and so forth. Uh, and then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
uh, we, have to, we have to stand. And God has given us, you know, uh, like, just like in that situation, uh, when Paul told the Ephesian Christians to stand, he said, look, you've got all the provisions. You've got the helmet. You've got the breastplate. You've got the, uh, the uh, girdle of truth. You've got, you've got the shield. You've got the shoes. You've got the sword. You've got all that you need. You just need to appropriate it and decide to stand in the battle. Uh, th there isn't a person here that, that God doesn't have something for you to do. And if you're still here, your purpose has not been fulfilled yet. And here's what we do. We get our, our mind off the purpose and we get it on the problem. And we need, to get it, we need to get it back to the purpose. Now that doesn't mean you don't look at the problem and see how you attack it and see how you respond to it. But he lost his sense of purpose. He forgot why he was there. Second thing is, is that he lost uh, the sense of, of what God's plan was. He lost focus on, on the plan of God in his life. Uh, you know, we, we often, and, and sometimes flippantly, and I hope you never do, you see somebody else, though, that's in trouble, and you say, well, all things work together for good. To them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Well, that's good, but, you know, if, uh, if that works for you to say to them when they're going through trouble, then it will also work for you when you're going through trouble, because all that simply says is, is that you've got a God watching over you, and that all things work together in his plan. He's got a plan, and he is working his plan, and it's up to, to us to not lose focus of what that plan is and to, to make sure that we keep our eyes on him. Uh, God's plan was not for Elijah to go into the wilderness. God never told him to go there. And by the way, did you know what wilderness he went into? He went into the same wilderness I see Christian after Christian after Christian right now, right in the middle of. It's a wilderness of fear. You know, we started out this whole thing back in March of this year. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, it's good to quote it, but it's better to live it. And we can live it if we focus on the God who said we didn't have to be afraid because he was going to take care of us. Bottom line is this. Bottom line is this, if there's fear in my life, there's, there's a lack of trust in, in God, and I'm not looking to him. You know, the, uh, one, of the, one of the men in the Gospels whose, whose uh, child was afflicted, he said, uh, when he went to the disciples and he went to Jesus, he said, uh, uh, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. He recognized, he says, look, I'm struggling with this thing. Help me to keep my focus on the fact that God can take care of me. And, and we need to keep our focus on that. God's got a plan for your life. And don't find yourself in that wilderness of fear. Uh, and, and when you go to that wilderness of fear, I'll guarantee you, God never led you there. God did not lead Elijah there. He, he was going to tell him where to go after this, 
but he just took off on his own. You know what? Every time I've taken off on my own, I have taken myself into a mess. I've made it worse. I've never made it better. And God wants to, wants to uh, uh, guide my steps, and he, he's, he's got a path for me to go. Sometimes we have to just stop. We have to sit. We have to listen. We have to, we have to do that one thing we hate to do. You know what it is? Wait. Yeah, yeah. Somebody hit it. Wait. Just wait. You know, and be patient on the Lord. Opposition and turbulence in your life never alters the plan of God. Uh, God, uh, uh, COVID, COVID did not change the goals or the responsibility that God has placed upon your life and placed upon my, you know, we, we've said this. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard many people make this comment. Uh, you know, you know uh, COVID doesn't negate the Constitution. And I agree with that. It does not negate the Constitution. But can I tell you something else? COVID does not negate the promises of God. COVID is not bigger than my God. And when I say COVID, I don't just mean, you know, that, that disease. I'm talking about everything that goes with it. Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 like to, I, I like to have my life done decently and in order. But you know what? These last nine months or whatever it's been, uh, there's been a lot of disorder. Been a lot of now for for some of you folks, you're right at home with that, okay? But uh, <laughs> at, at times, I'm right at home with that too. But uh, but but the but the truth is is that uh, we don't like the unexpected. Okay, so like one of our men often says, "Buck up, Buttercup." <laughs> you know, uh, put on your big boy pants. And understand, you've got a God that can take care of you. And you've got a God who is faithful. Can I tell you what, and I, I've said this a couple of times already, but I, I, I guess I haven't gotten over it. I hope I don't. Um, I got such a blessing out of our young people's testimonies on that night of Thanksgiving. Because you know what I saw? I saw some kids... They're starting to grab on to the, the concept that, uh, you know, God is not just my mom's God. God is not just my dad's God. God is not just my grandparents' God. God's my God. Boy, do I like to see that. I like to see that. Why? Because it keeps your focus in the right place. And they're doing it during some difficult times. But that's, that's exciting to see. Because uh, opposition and turbulence doesn't alter the plan of God in your life. Don't lose sight that God's got a plan for you. Listen, if you're, if you're here and you're still breathing, God's got a plan for you. He cares about you. He, 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 he wants to use you uh, in, in, in a way that would be effective. But if, if, we, get, if we get caught into the, into the wilderness of fear, that isn't going to happen. Uh, Third thing that, that took place in Elijah, he lost sight of who he was. You know who he was? He was God's man. He was God's man. He lost, lost sight of, of uh, who God was and the God who called him to a plan and a purpose. Uh, he lost sight of that. And uh, 
we, we not only lose sight of, of who we are, and I'll, I'll get to that in just a minute, but uh, who we are, but who is God? And we are who we are because of the grace of God. Apostle Paul said that. He said, he said I am what I am by the grace of God. In other words, one for the grace of God, I couldn't accomplish anything. Well, it's the same way with you, same way with me. We are what we are by the grace of God. Has that grace ever diminished? Never. Have circumstances ever affected the grace of God? Never. I mean, you, 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 look, at, you look at what God saved you from when he saved you. Wickedness, sin, debauchery. You say, well, I got saved when I was five years old. <clears throat> I was in the, the building uh, yesterday, and uh, one of uh, the Beam's uh, little girls was, uh, you know, the little one. And she was, she was in one of those things, uh, you know, those round deals that's in our nursery. And uh, she wasn't getting the attention that she wanted. So you know what she did? You know what she did. You say, what is that? That's debauchery. <laughs> that's wickedness. You say, well, you know, uh, so-and-so got saved when they were five, six, seven, eight years old. Yeah, and you know what? If, if they hadn't gotten saved and start living for God, that sin and that sin nature would have taken over and would have ruined their lives. You know, we, we've all gotten saved. If you're saved, you're saved from those things. You've got a God who took care of all that. Man, can't he take care of you now? And we forget who we are. Um, you know, what's your, what's your prominent, what's your perception of who you are? Are you a sinner? Are you a servant or are you a son, a child of God? Well, the truth of the matter is you're all three. <laughs> you're a sinner that has been saved by grace. You're a servant of the living God, and you're a child of the king. And we forget all three of those. You know what? Because we're a sinner, we're going to have struggles. But don't forget who you are. You're a, you're, a, you're, a, you're a servant of God, and you're a child of the King. I love that song that we sing. We sing it often around here. Uh, uh, I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King. With Jesus my Savior, I'm a child of the King. What a blessing it is. But we, we sometimes forget uh, that we are that child of, uh, of a King. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to Galatians 4. Again, stay here in uh, 1 Kings, but go to Galatians chapter 4. And in Galatians 4, look at the first uh, seven verses with me. Galatians 4, verse 1, says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the fathers. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the, uh, under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, 
crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and of a son, than an heir of God through Christ. Oh, man. Uh, you know, we're, we are a child of the king. We're, gonna, we're going to benefit from that for all eternity. We're going to be, uh, have part of his inheritance. We're going to be inheritors together with, with him. And when we go through difficulties and trials, sometimes we forget those things. Let me tell you another thing that, that Elijah went through. He went through a little bit of resentment. Look down there in verse, go back to 1 Kings uh, 19. Look down in verse 4. It says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came out and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. For I'm not better than my father's. And you know what? Part of that is he's a little, he's a little upset that God let him get to that, that place. He's a little upset that God didn't just kill Jezebel. <laughs> and he could have. He could have. But he allowed her to write that letter and give, her, to give him some opposition. Uh, the problem was he had some unfulfilled expectations. Uh, he thought his troubles were over. And when expectations that we have don't line up with God's and they're not fulfilled, we get resentful, we start having a pity party, we start getting envious of others. We, uh, we, and one of the things that can very, very easily spring up within us is a root of bitterness. And, and at this point, Elijah is just, just feeling sorry for himself resentment and this is the this is the one who who prayed and asked god to bring down the fire and god brought down the fire I, he was he was excited about what god was doing but at this point he's got a whole, whole totally different attitude and the the, the last thing that went, was going on in elijah's heart was was a hopelessness you know just kill me i'd be better off dead our hope is not in circumstances our hope is not in people Boy, if it is, you're going to be disappointed an awful lot. Our hope is not in circumstances. Again, if it is, you're going to be disappointed an awful lot. Uh, it's, it's not in places. It's not in things. Our hope is in God. And when we, we take our eyes off of that hope, then, then all these things happen on the inside. Now, what, what, are, what are some things that caused Elijah's problem? Number one, I believe he... He was, he was motivated by the outward rather than motivated by the inward. He was motivated by a drive rather than by the call of God on his life. And he had to see things happen and he had to see things fall the right way. Um, I have watched Christian after Christian after Christian throw up their hands and quit because things didn't go the way that they expected it to go. And, you know, well, I, I, I remember years ago going to a, a preacher's meeting. And this guy was from Texas. And he, and he gave us a formula. And I, I wish I'd, I think at the time I did write it down, but I think I've since rolled it up and threw it away. Uh, but, but he gave us a formula. And he said, now listen, preachers, if you knock on doors... For 40 hours a day, you will get 
X number of professions, which will result in, in Y number of people coming to church, which will result in, uh, you know, Z number of people getting baptized and joining your church, and your church will grow. Well, can I tell you something? It doesn't always work that way. It doesn't always work that way. And you start putting your expectations in those circumstances and things that, that, that you think ought to work in a particular way, you're going to be sadly disappointed. Sadly disappointed. And that comes from people being operating by an outward drive rather than an inward call. First uh, Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 says this, says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Do you always see immediate results from people being faithful? No, you don't. But you know that the encouraging, in fact, I was talking to Pastor Keck, I think it was just this last week, uh, this, either this week or the week before, it's all kind of running together, you know how that goes. But uh, I was talking to him and, and uh, I says, you know, uh, you, know, you know what the blessing is of that, that verse? It's required of stewards that a man be found faithful. And he immediately said, yeah, we're all capable of that. And we are. There's not a person in here who's saved who isn't capable of being faithful. And that's what God wants from us. He wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be faithful. We need to be, we need to be motivated by the the internal things and by the things that we don't see rather than by the things that we do see. The, the, this, the second thing that caused Elijah's problem was, was failure to wait on God. You know, you look at, at, verses, at verses 2 and 3, and uh, he just acted on his own. You know, uh, verse 2 says, Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also... If I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. He didn't see that and call out to God. He didn't see that and say, okay, God, what do I do next? He just saw that thing and he just reacted. He, he, had a, he failed to wait on God. Now, again, keep your finger here. Go with me to Psalm 37. I want you to look with me quickly. I'm not even going to say much about each verse, but these are verses that have to do with just waiting on the Lord. Uh, Psalm 37. Look down at verse 9. It says, For evildoers shall be cut off. What was going to happen to, to, to uh, Jezebel? Well, eventually she got cut off and the dogs licked her blood. <laughs> You know, you know who did that? God did that. It says, it says the evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. He just needed to wait. Go to, go to uh, chapter 123. Chapter 123. Look down at verse 2. 123, 2. It says, Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God, 
until that he have mercy upon us. Now, a, a, a servant or a maiden is, is, is said to look to their masters. What are, they, what are they doing? They're waiting. They're waiting to be told what to do. And just like they do that, we need to not get ahead of God. And we need to wait and be patient for God to, to, to tell us what's next. Go to Isaiah 8. Isaiah 8. In Isaiah 8, look down in verse 17. Isaiah 8, 17. And I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Now I got news for you. There are times when God's going to hide his face from you. There are times when you're going to look and it's going to look like God has, has left you. Now you know better because you know what the book says. I'll never leave thee. I'll never forsake thee. I never will. And he won't. He won't leave you. And he won't forsake you. But there are times he hides his face from us. What's that for? To teach us to be patient. To teach us to wait. To not to run ahead of him and not grab the bull by the horns. And, and take control of the situation. Go to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40. And look down with me in verse 40, uh, 31. <laughs> Not 41, be kind of tough. Verse 31, you know the verse. Many of you do. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But what do we need to do? We need to wait upon the Lord. Don't, don't, just, don't just react to circumstances and, and to people, but respond to God. Ask God what's going on. Ask God to show you. Now, he might not give you an answer right away. But he's, he's interested in guiding and directing you, just like he was interested in guiding and directing Elijah. The, the third thing that caused Elijah's problem was, was a constant contact with people problems to the point where he let it wear him down. Uh, you, you look down in verse, uh, verse 5 of chapter 19. It says, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And do you realize when all this is happening? It was happening right after he just said, God, kill me. Was that what God wanted him to request? <laughs> no. That was after he ran from Jezebel. Did, he, did God want him to run? No. But you notice God took care of him anyway? What a God we serve. <laughs> what a God we... Even when he was backslidden, took his, you know, took his eyes off of God, forgot his purpose, the whole nine yards, the Lord said, listen, just, just take it easy here for a minute. Just rest and relax. I'll feed you. I'll take care of you. And then a little bit later, of course, you go down to verse 9, and he says, what doest thou here, Elijah? 
Well, he, he gave him the rebuke that he needed when he needed it. But, but uh, though, you know, the, the, the problems, he had allowed those problems to, to wear him down. The uh, Bible says that when, when David had a situation where he was about to be stoned by his own men, says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. What we need to do is remember that God's always got provision. He's always got power. He's always got his promises. And uh, we, need, we need to just put on the brakes and allow God to minister to us. Another thing that I, I think that he was doing here was he was majoring on the minors. I mean, you compare... You, you compare the conflict that he had in chapter 18 to the conflict that he had in chapter 19. They don't even come close. He had 450 prophets, prophets of Baal that he was up against in 18, 19. He basically, all he, he didn't even see the woman. All he got was a note from her. And, uh, and he, he reacted to that thing. Um, you know, he, he uh, uh, noticed, too, the... The, the prayer that he prayed. Go to 1 first, first Kings 18, look in verses 36 and 37. When he's, he's ready, he's asking God to bring down the fire and lick up the sacrifices. It says, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening service that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art, art uh, the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And then the next verse says, Then the fire of the Lord fell. Wow. <laughs> I, that was a prayer of confidence. Now, look in chapter 19. Look in verse 3 says, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, Now look at this prayer. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Feel sorry for me, God. Look where I am. What a difference. In the, in the two prayers. And he, he, instead of looking at God, he, again, he just simply looked at the, at, the, at, the, uh, at the circumstances and at the people involved. The, the key to the whole thing was he had some unreal expectations. After the battle on Carmel, he thought he was done. Folks, until we see Jesus face to face, whether it be by rapture or be by death, it's not over yet. It's not done. And there can, you know, just because one of, uh, one of the, the battles is over, the war is not over yet. And there's going to be battle after battle after battle. Take your Bibles and turn with me to uh, Psalm 62. Psalm 62. And I close with this. Psalm 62. And verses 5 through 7, Psalm 62, 5 through 7, it says, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. 
And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. And notice what he called God. He said, God, you're my rock. You're my salvation. If, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, you can say that. He's your salvation, not you. My defense, my glory, my strength, my refuge. And then he said, my expectation is from him. What are you expecting from God? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, it's so easy during times of turmoil and when things are turned upside down, we get our attention taken away from, or we cause our attention to be taken away from, the things that matter most. Yeah, we show up to church, and yes, we pick up our Bible and read it every day, and we spend some time in prayer, but our minds and hearts often drift. And when they do, we get our focus off of you, we get our focus on our ourselves, our problems, our difficulties, our circumstances. And we're talking about a myriad of different things here. But help us to see this morning that we're no different than Elijah. In fact, I can say for myself, I'm a whole lot weaker than Elijah ever was. And we look at, we look at how quickly he turned. And this isn't something that took took uh, weeks and months and years. It's something that happened in a very short period of time. And it's because his expectation no longer was in his God. Sometimes we put our expectation in doctors. We put our expectation in the stock market. We put our expectation in our family. And every time we do that, Lord, You'd think we'd learn by now, but we get disappointed time after time after time. We should have learned something at salvation, and what, what we should have learned was the only way we can get saved is by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and expect you and you alone to forgive us of all of our sins and give us eternal life. Well, that same thinking that we got saved with ought to be our thinking and living. As we live for you, may our expectation not be in ourselves, because <laughs> we'll fail ourselves. May it not be in anything outward, but may it be in the God of our salvation, who is our hope, he's our rock, he's our fortress. Lord, I thank you for, for being all those things to me. I pray that you'd work in this invitation. God, this morning, if there's anyone here with, that does not know for absolute positive sure if they died, they go to heaven. I pray they come forward and take my hand and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. Get my attention. Say, Preacher, I, I need somebody to talk to me so I can get saved, so I can trust you, trust God as Savior. Uh, Lord, there may be somebody that is watching online right now. They need to fall on their face right where they're at before their God and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Give me eternal life. Lord, I pray that you just have your will and your way in this invitation. Speak to our hearts, and as you do, Lord, may we, may we respond by saying yes to you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.
Amen. So I'll stand together. Let's stand with.